Welcome back to the Monday Morning Point Guard Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit of NBA New Year's resolutions to kind of start the new year off. If you do like the video, please give us a like and consider subscribing for weekly content. Um, Just going to kick it off here. This is going to have mostly a Lakers theme, I feel like. Um, Wanted to propose a New Year's resolution for Anthony Davis. I know he's actually hurt right now, but the amount of times I feel like once a game, he just crumbles to the ground like he's been shot. Um, I think those fake injuries, maybe once every two weeks is a realistic goal for him. Um, Any comments on that? Yeah, it does seem like pretty much every game he's going down with something or another. Um, Yeah, now it does seem to be pretty legitimate and that's kept him out for, you know, a decent amount of time and it is hurting them, but yeah, the fake injuries and just the injuries in general kind of are what's bringing him down and definitely hurting his stage with the Lakers because I know he was supposed to be like the top guy with LeBron and uh, Russ coming in. Yeah, I, I think it's four weeks with this current injury. Um, maybe probably a little bit longer with him. So, yeah, I, I don't have a problem with him actually getting hurt, even though he does seem to actually get hurt a lot. It's just like the amount of time – like he, he looks like he's playing in the World Cup, like for soccer – like he'll get like bumped into and he just crumbles down into the fetal position. And I, I, I gotta be honest, I'm just, I'm tired of, <laughs> I'm tired of seeing it every game. And you can tell like LeBron who just doesn't react at all when that happens, he just kind of does his own thing and just like lets Anthony Davis wallow around on the ground for a while. Yeah, um, I think he's so over this team at this point. I, it would be tough. It'd be tough to look around and see, and see what they've become. Um, yeah, I don't think he's demanding a trade or anything, but uh, yeah, I can't imagine he's re-signing with the Lakers. And this has been kind of what he's done throughout his career, at least since he left Cleveland the first time. So like he waits for the team to get built around him with vets. And then once they get old, like he abandons ship and they're left with nothing. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, I guess we could get, transition to LeBron. Um, maybe stick to basketball a little bit more. I think this uh, dual GM you know, captain of the team role is just not really working out. Um, Yeah. I I think he needs to leave the GMing to the front office and and just stick with, stick with the basketball. I feel like the Russell Westbrook decision to bring him in was, was entirely on LeBron. Yeah. It seems like a player of his status, like they should have some sort of pull in the front office, but he hasn't done a great job, I mean, especially in Cleveland, the teams that he would put together and the Lakers have never really been that good in terms of who they have. So, yeah, I would stick to more of the on-court activity. With the exception to the Heat, um, because Pat Riley never really relinquished control to him. Yeah, I didn't even um, know if he was part of that, the Heat construction at all. They they would, like, consult him on some decisions. Like, they brought in, like, Shabazz Napier, instead of PJ Hairston for like one draft, which I mean, honestly, who cares about either of them? I guess Shabazz had like a marginally better career than PJ Hairston, but um, yeah, I, stuff like that. I think they would kind of give him a little bit of say, ironically that year he ended up leaving the team and going back to Cleveland. So he never even played with Shabazz. Um, but I think for the most part, he was pretty bent out of shape about Pat Riley, just telling him no, Cause he wanted to, he wanted Spolster out early on LeBron and Pat Riley was like, no, but if you've like between the Cleveland teams, both 
edition, both renditions, and this Lakers team, it's always a bunch of names. It's always a bunch of old has-been names instead of like guys who actually fit. Like when when you're just looking at it on paper, it looks really impressive until you like realize Carmelo Anthony's in his 19th season and Dwight Howard's in his 18th season and DeAndre Jordan has been done for four years. And yeah, I yeah, it's just it's a lot, it's a lot of who's who of like former good players to great players, but not at this stage. The most surprising one was when he had D Rose and Wade come to Cleveland because oh at that gosh. point, like D Rose hadn't even had that resurgence at this point. He was still just that crippled guy. Wade was pretty much on his way out at that point. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. Just questionable. Rose's tenure with Cleveland was really weird. Cause I know he just like yeah. left the team at one point, kind of like Kyrie yeah. did. Um, and then he gets shipped off to Utah in the Rodney hood, Jay Crowder trade. It's still weird. They never got anything out of Jay Crowder in Cleveland. He seems like a perfect guy to fit alongside LeBron. I think that's why they yeah. don't get along so much nowadays when you see them square off. Um, but yeah, Rose was bought out uh, in Utah. It ends up signing in Minnesota with Thibodeau. Yeah, it, I, some of those LeBron teams are weird. And even you think back, like they picked up Shaq, like at yeah. the very tail end his first time around in Cleveland and they had Ben Wallace running power forward alongside Zadrunas Ilgalskis at one point some really do you, do you think he was he was in the consulting for that early of his career I have to imagine he was I mean I'm a, I, I could see it either way <laughs> I mean some of the I think the decisions I think he was putting pressure on the front office at the very least because some of those decisions were like extremely short-sighted and like not planning for the future at all yeah I feel like that first stint with Cleveland he at least had some right to do that because his teams were just awful and he was clearly the best one of the best in the league if it wasn't him or Kobe at that point but like yeah yeah. you gotta put pressure on him at some point so it the Mavericks have kind of run into the same issue. I feel like the early Cleveland LeBron team did is like, he was so good. So quick that he overnight turned them into like, not quite a playoff team, but close kind of like Luca has. So like, you're not picking in the top of the lottery. Once you have this guy on your team and Cleveland's never going to be a free agent destination except for the, you know, the years that he was there. So I think it was just tough to build the roster around him, you know, given what they had to work with when he got there. Although uh, Ricky Davis was uh, not really understanding why they would pick up LeBron because he played that same position and he was excited to see LeBron come off the bench by Ricky Davis. That was a hot take. Yeah, that was a very hot take. Um, Moving on Kings owner, Rana Dive, maybe make some, somewhat competent decisions this year with just in regards to anything like hiring a GM, you know, making a trade, like something, something that resembles some confidence. And you know what, if you can't do it, maybe just get some people around you that can be like, Hey, you know, this doesn't make sense. Just some people with some good common sense. Cause it seems like he lacks some of that or yeah. a lot of that. Um, so maybe just, I don't know, have some people that you trust that like, Maybe they don't know the most about basketball, but maybe they're people that just make responsible decisions in their lives. Um, that'd be a good start for him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how many fans are out there because there are a lot of teams in California, but it must be such a frustrating experience to root for Sacramento. I, I, I can't imagine. I can't. I feel so bad for them. They have a loyal fan base too. I was watching the game tonight, and uh, 
there's a pretty decent crowd there. They weren't super into the game. It didn't seem like, but I mean, there were a lot of people there and I, they haven't made the playoffs since 2006. I want to say before like or something like that. Um, yeah, it was back when Rick Adelman coached them. So I do know that he was the last coach to lead them to the playoffs, but yeah, it's been, it's been a rough go. I'm not sure when Ron Adive took over, but I do know since he's taken over, it's, it's not been good. And it's just been bizarre decision after bizarre decision. I did a whole thing on the Kings, like drafting woes and like horrible decisions they've made in the draft. That's not even addressing anything they've done trade wise or free agency wise. It's yeah, it's just not great. Um, Zion and Luca have the same one. It's going to be the same one for a lot of people. The same one as myself, uh, maybe go on a diet this year. I think that'd be good for, for both of them. Luca's looking real chunky this year. He's still putting up numbers, but I think that's going to limit what he can ultimately do as far as like playoff aspirations, like the cardio thing. And just, he kind of in the shape that he's in, he can carry you offensively, but defensively, he just can't do anything because, you know, he's being, it's such a taxing role he has on offense. And then Zion, I think enough has been said on ESPN about him and his weight. Like we just need to get him on the court at some point. And I think shedding a few pounds would certainly help that. Yeah. I mean, he's probably shut down the rest of the season, I would imagine at this point, but I think I saw something he has, he's had the third fewest games played for a number one pick in the last like 40 years or something alongside with like Greg Oden because of injury. He had, the, I, I'm pretty sure he has like one less game than Greg Oden at this yeah. stage, which is alarming. Yeah. Which is I mean, really, really alarming. I know. Cause we, we threw Greg, Greg Oden that bust card like so quick. What, yeah. He, <laughs> what we see of Zion never comes back. And it, this isn't, this doesn't necessarily bode well for Zion, but when Greg Oden was out there, he was awesome. I remember yeah. him being awesome when he was on the court it's just he never was, and that was no fault of his. Like, yeah. one leg was bigger than the other, like, to a significant degree, and there were some other issues, I'm pretty sure, but I think that was the big one. Um, Zion doesn't have that, to my knowledge. It just seems to be kind of the weight thing, and um, at least when he came in the league, he was still, like, heavy, but it wasn't like he was out of shape. It still seemed like he needed to trim off a few pounds, now that he's not been playing, it looks like he's pretty well ballooned up. Um, yeah, I, I saw a side by side actually pretty recently, and it looks he looks pretty inflated since he started in the league. Yeah, it, some of that could just be like him in a hoodie or him in warm ups, but I still think he's probably put on at least a few pounds since like yeah. he's not been playing. Like he, it, it, a foot issue. It's not like he can get. That's on the so tre- hard to stay in shape when it's your foot too. Right. It's not like he can get on the treadmill and yeah. go and go for a run. So right. I don't know what they want him to do, but like he needs to control that somehow. It's it's not looking well. It's not looking good to see him this year. Like it just doesn't doesn't look like yeah. that's going to happen. Um, Paul Allen, Blazers owner. Do, do something this year. Just do something like just anything. Just quit wasting what's left of Damian Lillard's prime. Like whether that be trade Damian Lillard and he needs to kind of do that now, if that's the direction that he wants to go or trade Nurkic and the CJ core. Cause like we've seen that kind of played out. It's not going to work. Like they just need to make a move something. Cause right now they're sitting near bottom of the West and it's just, it's not looked good all year. Yeah, Lillard's probably is he 30 by now? Um oh yeah, I think he's 31 or 32. 
Yeah, I mean, he's getting to that end of his prime yeah. past years, you know, and like three years from now, he's probably he's definitely not going to be at the same level he's been. He's you know, not. He's not team. been this year. I know you've not watched a ton of games this year, but he's not been that good this year. I've I'm still holding out hope that this isn't like the new version of him, but this could be like last year could have been the last good year we had with him. If he get, you know, he's has a nagging hip issue. If he can kind of get over that, maybe we've got, a, I think two years of like really good Damian Lillard left at max. If we even get him back at any point. Yeah, sure. hope so. I, I can't see them trading him probably for anything. No, no. I think they're going to hold on to him. And I think that's the right decision. Anytime you've got a guy like that. Yeah. Who wants to stick around with your team. I think you've just got to ride it out. Um, but I, there's no reason to just keep continue holding on to CJ and, and especially Nurkic because he's on the last year of his deal. And I don't think they're going to want to pay him what he's worth because he's on like a $12 million a year contract right now, which is insane for a player that good. But um, yeah, I, I want to see them do something. I think they have to make a move. And right now they're kind of headless. Like they don't have a GM to my knowledge. Um, first year coach Chauncey Billups. So like it kind of is on the owner to kind of take control of this like driverless car and like do something with it, like get back on the road. So right now they're kind of going through the forest. It seems like, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, last Laker one, I, I guess I forgot to mention this one, uh, Russell Westbrook. I think he deserves a new year's resolution. I think he needs to arrive to the arenas a little bit earlier and maybe ask around to figure out what uniforms they're wearing tonight. I've never seen a player just throw the ball to the wrong team more than Russell Westbrook, or, you know, if it's not an issue of him understanding what Jersey they're in, uh, maybe he needs to go to the eye doctor and maybe get some glasses or goggles or contacts, whatever, whatever. I'd like to see him in the goggles maybe. Um, but yeah, either way, he's got to, he's got to figure out which teammates are his because I mean, it's not just carelessness. Like he literally throws the ball to the wrong team at least like four or five times a game. Yeah, the eyesight thing could be a factor. I know Jameis Winston a couple of years ago got LASIK or contact one of the two, and he was like, I can finally see the DBs now. Like it's totally clear field for me. <laughs> That's astounding to me. <laughs> Probably the most alarming thing your quarterback could say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He still um, threw like 30 picks the next year, but he also had th uh, 30 touchdowns. So No, I think that was that year. I think yeah. I think that was the year before he got the LASIK. Was oh, that was the year was, before. Yeah, yeah. So he was just chucking it downfield and like hoping Mike Evans bailed him out, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last one I've got. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr., he was a recent addition to the list. Quit being a jerk or at least like stop throwing things at people. Maybe he could like not throw anything at anyone this year. Maybe that's a good resolution. I, I think if we were optimistic, just treat people with respect. Yeah. I know that was what got him traded out of Cleveland uh, the yeah, first he, time. And yeah, it, he it, threw something at a coach in Cleveland. It seemed kind of like not justified, but I'm sure he was frustrated in Cleveland as is everyone else. Um, but yeah, if he's getting that mad throwing stuff at his coaching staff and anyone on the team, I mean, who knows? They got him for cheap for that reason, but who knows if he'll even stick around after that. Well, I mean, if Houston decides to move off of him, which I, I don't imagine they will, because um, you might have an extra one with Christian Wood. Um, but he allegedly refused to go in the game back in the game in the second half. 
um, the coaches are saying that that was their decision, but I'm sure they're just saying that to kind of save face. Yeah, um, I read that they they said it was like a thigh, a lagging thigh injury or something. That oh, I thought that was Kevin Porter Jr. That oh, that, they that said was, that that about. was for Kevin. Yeah. Okay. No, they said, uh, I think they said Wood sat out for violating team rules, like he had yeah, showed up late for a COVID or test or something. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. That seems like a, a complete mess there. But if they do decide to move off Kevin Porter Jr., like for a player like him, like he's very good, very talented, but team, he's not talented enough to kind of justify this behavior. Like yeah. it's going to be tough for teams to sign up for this. And you've already got two that like if Houston moves off of him, like I can't imagine Cleveland ever picking him back up. And then no. if Houston decides to move on, the, the 32 teams out of 30 that are just absolutely not going to have anything to do with you anymore. And then if you just keep doing that, rubbing people the wrong way, eventually you're out of the league. I feel like Latrell Sprewell is probably a really good like, comparison to draw. I, even though I think Sprewell was, had a lot more upside than Porter Jr. does. Um, that was a guy whose career never really matched his talent because of off the court issues such as choking out your coach or yeah, not, not yeah, a which is a shame because he's, they were both talented and you know, who knows what could have happened. Yeah. And I would imagine he's done for the year after something like that. As a, Porter as a, junior. Yeah. I feel like as a front office, you can't let that happen and keep letting him play. I think you could have, I think you could have let it not let it slide, but brought him back. Had he not like left the arena at halftime, like that's, that's pretty bad. I can't, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine them bringing him back this year. They may yeah. not at all. I mean, it's the stuff just not, with Antonio Brown. Look. I mean, Arian said after the game, he's not even on the team anymore. I don't know if you saw that. I did see that. Yeah. yeah. So I think they're being a little bit more lenient with Kevin Porter jr. And he, he's still young. Like he may mature and figure it out, but I don't know. What is he? 23, 22. Yeah. He's young. This is probably his second or third year. Well, I mean, at 23, three or 22 i wasn't throwing stuff at people like when <laughs> no, i got upset I'm so that. i'm only that's only the young thing is only going to go so far with me so yeah yeah i i don't know i'm sure there are other new year's resolutions but i think these were the ones i found at least the funniest or i know, I know this video was a little tongue-in-cheek but yeah fun to... the, the one i had for christian wood oh yeah and you, you just saw that clip it was a game against the hornets last week or he's grabbed a rebound going to throw an outlet pass and he just misses the guy by 10 feet over his head um and just nails this woman walking down the aisle probably in the fifth row just right in stride i mean it was a great throw if that's what you're going for but i would suggest maybe like target practice some subscription to it a shooting range or something just to get that that accuracy back <laughs> the hand-eye coordination or yeah. yeah maybe maybe lessons with uh oh yeah houston doesn't really have a quarterback so yeah. um <laughs> maybe not maybe hope hopefully the texans get a quarterback and then maybe he could give them some pointers yeah um that was like something out of like a comedy movie like semi-pro or something where like yeah they're showing how bad the team is and somebody throws a pass and it hits some guy holding popcorn i mean it know, was 10 rows close, up i mean that was literally what it, that was basically yeah. what happened i don't know if it slipped or what but he launched that thing <laughs> Yeah, that had some heat on it too. I, the ladies seem fine, so at least there's that. But I think she like fractured something in her jaw. It, it oh, got did her. she really? I didn't yeah. see that. Oh god. Yeah, she she like went to the hospital. I think she had a concussion and did something to her jaw from a basketball. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, jeez. 
He must have really put some heat on that. I'm not even sure if that had been on the mark, if he put that much heat on it enough to break somebody's jaw, I'm not sure that whoever he was throwing that to would, would have caught it anyway. Yeah. It might've bounced off his hands. Jeez. Okay. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully some of these teams get it figured out here in the new year, but um, most of them, I'm not feeling too confident. about. <laughs> some of them we've been saying for a couple of years now at this point, so probably not. Oh yeah. Yeah, no. Yeah, that, the Rockets are years away. The Lakers, I have no idea what to make of them anymore. I mean, I can't imagine this is the roster we end the year with, but if it is, it's going to be it's going to be a dumpster fire till the very end. Well, the problem is half the guys on the team are 35 and up. Who's going to want them? Yeah. So like, I don't even know how you could build that out at the trade Well, they deadline. traded the they traded Rondo this week and I yeah. think they they got Denzel Valentine who I don't know if they ended up cutting but at least that was Woj reported that that was what was the plan. So I guess they cleared up a roster spot there but I mean, who are you bringing in? Yeah. I mean, the the two guys that they brought in for the hardship were, you know, pretty old too, Isaiah and Darren Collison. Yeah. I don't know. If Is that all they've had it. to bring in? That's crazy. Yeah. Meanwhile, meanwhile, the heater over here, our entire bench is hardship guys. Like we, yeah. we have five guys who we start from like the active roster, one of whom is a two-way contract guy. And then the rest are hardship guys. Yeah. I saw they had like seven or eight actives the other night and had to postpone or cancel. Yeah. Yeah. It was not good. Not good. Yeah. But we've been keeping the ship afloat. Welcome back to the Monday Morning Point Guard Podcast. On this episode, we got a little bit of a controversial topic. We're going to be talking about what position in basketball is the most important. Um, if you do like the video, uh, please consider giving us a like and subscribing for weekly content. And if you do have any disagreements or agreements, I'm sure there will be some disagreements. Uh, leave those in the comment section. We'd love to discuss that with you. Um, so obviously, you know, elephant in the room this is kind of a hard conversation to have in like the modern era of basketball we kind of moved to more of a positionless um style of basketball where like players are less like regimented in their role and there's a lot more crossover but i think if we set this up as like what is like the skill sets that are brought to the table by like a more traditional position or player of that position so like for point guard it's like passing and like setting up your teammates running the offense for wing players you know you got like mj kobe guys like that who were you know two-way players good defensive stoppers but scores and you know could do some playmaking stuff that was but that was not primarily their function um and then you've got centers or interior players responsible for rebounding protecting the basket stuff like that um yeah. So that's kind of the way that I want to frame this argument into like three separate categories, um, just to kind of make it a little bit easier to have this discussion since like, we're not really sure what player, what, you know, they might be listed as a certain position, but they're really doing other things. LeBron is a really good example of that guy who plays more like magic, even though he's kind of like listed as a small forward um, magic, you could have list it was listed at shooting guard some years but I don't think anybody would argue that he wasn't the point guard of that team. Um, yeah. Do you want to kick us off with, with what you, what you think? Yeah. And LeBron definitely made this really hard to even think about too, because right. originally I was thinking about wing players 
they've been the most dominant in terms of a championship team most recently, but LeBron is also playing point guard in those years where he was winning. Um, I think the skill set of the point guard probably is what I would take as the most important. You need someone to be able to facilitate, you know, create space, even hit, hit an open jump shot when it's needed. Um, if you don't have that, I don't think you really have a start of a team. I can't name any bad teams that have a good point guard or good teams that have a bad point guard. Um, so I, I would probably go with the point guard role. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a point guard though, because now we see so many different players can do things that a point guard can do. Like we see LeBron, Dray Draymond, uh, Jokic, all doing point guard duties sometimes, but they're, you know, big guys in the paint. So right. And even it's really hard to give it to a position and I would give it more to like a role and skill set than a position at this yeah, point. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we're arguing here. Yeah. Um, so with respect to like the point guard, like Harden is kind of another weird one. Harden and Doncic, yeah. where I think they're more geared towards scoring, but just because of how much they have the ball, they get some assists, but I would still not really consider them like a traditional point guard skill set. Um, I think you might be falling into the media trap here. Um, so if you think about what position has been considered the most important by the media and that whenever they argue this, it's always gone along with what player, what position do we have the best players at currently? So back during the golden age of centers and into the 2000s, everybody thought centers were the most important because there were so many good centers in the league. Then once there weren't as many good centers in the league and Dwight was the best center by far, uh, it was like between Dwight and Andrew Bynum. Then we moved on and it was a golden age of point guards. Then they're like point guards are the most important. Now we've transitioned and now we've got a lot of really good wing players and Kawhi Leonard. I, I feel like this was at the peak of like people arguing this for win for two-way wings when Kawhi won with the Raptors. Everybody's like, now wings are the most important position. So I think when you're talking about winning a championship, the most important thing is that you have one of those generational all-time type players. And we've seen across the history of the league, if you have one of those, it almost doesn't matter what position they are. You just have to have one. So the real question becomes, what is the most important skill set to get right, to get right? Like you can't have a hole at this position if you want to win a title and it's center. It's always been center. It always will be center. It's the center position. Now that's saying we need to go back to like Ross Onesterovich and, and Kendrick Perkins and these like slow lumbering guys, but rebounding, rim protection, efficient scoring on the inside, that's the most important things you need to have right on your team. It doesn't have to be your best player, but you have to have that in order to win a title. Last year's finals, perfect example of that. The Suns did not have an answer for Giannis inside on either end of the floor. And that was ultimately what turned the series, even though Aiton's a very good center, like Giannis, when they went to him at the center, and even if they had Brooke Lopez out on the three-point line, when they went away from a Brooke Lopez lineup, it was Giannis at center, basically. That was what turned the tide of the series. The prior year in the bubble, that front line for the Lakers with Davis and some combination of McGee or Dwight, or when they went with Davis at the five, that was better than banged up Bam Adebayo, and that was ultimately what turned the series. So... <laughs> Any anything to say to that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't disagree necessarily. Like 
my first reaction to that was like Giannis in the finals last year played so much center as I mean, I don't even know how to consider him. Like he's an interior, but he's a wing player at the same time. Kind of. He doesn't, everyone. he doesn't really play on the perimeter as much anymore. So, I mean, he put primarily plays around the basket now and protects the rim. So, I mean, he's doing center type things. It's tough to have this conversation now, it's, but that's the I would consider him like an interior player. If, if yeah. I had to pigeonhole him in, in, into one of the playmaking point guard wing or interior player pegs i would he would be predominantly to interior yeah. player just based on the rebounding there. the shot blocking all of that yeah. stuff it's it's so fluid between positions now with and skill sets that, that that's probably why it's so hard to to even figure out that conversation um and one of my things for at least revisiting the recent champions was like the two-way side like Giannis is a great two-way player i think inside and outside um, at least on the defensive end. Um, but so did Kevin Durant and Kawhi when they won their championships recently. It's I think it's like the two-way defense part that's really what brings it. If they can defend inside and outside, that's like the biggest part of it. Um, and Giannis obviously is just so good at that that it can easily turn the tide of a series. Durant was a weird one um, when I went through this. So I actually, you know, obviously before like the merger we had, Bill Russell, Wilt, and Kareem kind of destroying the league and owning things. And then post-merger, Kareem and Robert Parrish, you know, throughout the 80s for the Celtics and Lakers, respectively, like they were winning the bulk of the titles. Now, there were some rough center matchups between like the 90s in the 90s with Michael Jordan, but I could do a whole video on why Michael Jordan kind of defies the rules that we have for basketball, but I mean, even granted with the bowls, you had either Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman for your interior presence, particularly with Rodman, like he was, you know, a monstrous defensive player. Um, so I just kind of went back, looked from the year 2000 on to currently, and just kind of looked at the, the center matchup or like the interior matchup. And in 86% of those finals, the team with like an advantage at that interior spot, that center spot, as we kind of moved on to like a more perimeter based game that kind of gets a little bit complicated. But um, for the most part, you know, earlier on, it was, we were still in those regimented positions, 86% of those finals, the team with the best interior player won the series. The exceptions to that, the outliers to hear this, (laughs) we had 2004 Shaq versus Ben Wallace. Now, the argument could be made that the Pistons actually had a better interior that finals because it was Shaq versus and banged up Carl Malone versus both Wallaces. So I don't know. I gave that nod to um, the Lakers anyway. Yeah. 2009, Dwight versus Bynum and Gasol. And that series, you had an all-time talent generational player in Kobe versus really not a lot on the magic. I wouldn't consider Dwight in like a generation defining category for as good as he was. Um, 2016, I'm sorry, I skipped one. 2013, the Heat, um, Bosch versus Duncan. Bosch was primarily playing center for the Heat at that stage. Duncan was a center. Um, They were the two big interior players. The Heat won that series despite Duncan probably being better. I think it was probably... Probably close at that stage in Duncan's career, but, um, and then 2016 when the Cavs came back from that three, one series against the Warriors, 
I think the Warriors had a better front line with Bogut and Draymond Green than Timothy Mozgov and uh, Tristan Thompson. But important to remember when that series really turned around, Draymond had, was suspended for a game yeah. and Bogut got hurt. And so they, the Warriors in game seven had to rely on Festus Azili to start at center. He played 10 minutes and it was a complete disaster. Um, up for debate, there were a couple of ones that I thought were up for debate. Uh, 2012, Bosch versus the Perkins and Ibaka front court. I think Bosch is better than Ibaka or Perkins, whoever you want to take. Yeah. Um, and then 2019, the banged up Warriors versus the Raptors. I gave the nod to the Raptors in that one just because like Durant was barely played and he, he played a lot of center for those Warriors teams. Um, and yeah, they just, I don't know. They had a ton of injuries that Warriors group. So I would have initially, I mean, I gave the nod to the Raptors for Gasol and Ibaka and uh, Siakam. Yeah. I would take but, that too. But you know, you could argue for the Warriors. So Anyways, it's around 86%, regardless of where you end up falling. So it, we'll round it out and say you and call it 80. So eight out of 10 finals, you're, you're winning, you know, with, a, with whichever perimeter, I mean, sorry, whichever interior players are better, 80% of the finals is go, that are going to that team with the better interior presence. Yeah. Do you think that had more to do with that or that generational talent that's on those teams alongside with? being having the the better inside um some of them it matters yeah some of it i would say does but and you said it earlier like it really sometimes just comes down to do you have kevin durant on your team in the finals that or Giannis and his just explosion years right i mean there is a there is that component but you can find a play you can find a generational player at every position and so i think it just it you know it could be that there was a generational player you know, on um, one team and wasn't on the other, but I still don't think it would amount to like 86, nearly 90% of finals where the interior matchup is really the thing that turns the tide. I mean, last year is a really good one because I think, you know, Giannis was clearly the best player by far in that series, but the rest of the Suns, I think they had a much more well-rounded roster, much more consistent roster um than what the bucks had especially when you got when divincenzo went out and you were having to play either bryn forbes or whatever was left of jeff teague um out there in a playoff series so i i don't know i i still think that this is the most important position to get right and i think if you can choose to have your generational player i think you should choose him to be at at center not like a traditional slow lumbering center but if you're if you're thinking it, I I would want a guy who can protect the rim and rebound and score inside. Just get to yeah, the, I mean, score inside at will. Especially now, if your dominant guy is the center and he's on the inside drawing defenders in. I mean, with the way that three point shooting is nowadays, like your your team's going to knock down forty percent of those open threes that the center kicks out if he gets doubled or tripled. So that yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I just, I think you can, and here's another thing that I kind of looked at. I'll, I can get into some, some more numbers later, but um, actually I'll just do that now. Uh, 15 of 45 finals MVPs um, since the merger were interior players. I mean, I, I threw Cedric Maxwell and Dirk as interior players. So that would get you to 13. Eight were point guards. If you don't include LeBron, if you do include LeBron, it's 12. Um, 
Also, one of those is Tony Parker in 2007. I don't think mm-hmm. anybody would argue he was more important to that team than Duncan. Um, <laughs> nine, I'm sorry, 23 were wings if you include Le- LeBron and the Warriors, Durant, who combined for six. I, I, I think we mentioned earlier Durant played a lot of center for those Warriors yeah. teams. And, um, and then LeBron could be considered a point guard. Also, there is an Iguodala who probably doesn't belong in the finals MVP group. Um, so that's seven that you could be that you could easily remove. Um, also, you know, you have six for Jordan. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I, I don't know. 19 MVPs, interior guys, including Dirk, 15 we, wings. I didn't include Harden in that group. I, I, I know we kind of talked about him being more of a wing, but I threw him at point guard. Um, 15, oh, it said 19 interior, 15 wings, 11 point guards for MVPs. Um, if you look at the bottom of the league now, the Cavs are in like the fourth seed. They drafted a, a phenomenal rim protector in Evan Mobley. Yep. They also have Jared Allen. Um, the Blazers, bottom of the league, despite having like what we would have considered preseason a much more talented roster, but they don't really have any interior presence at all. Yeah, Nine we, of even, t- we even talked about the Cavs having a log jam at center, but it turns out to be working all right well, for him. I didn't expect Evan Mobley to be this good this quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's been phenomenal. And like, I don't, you probably haven't watched them this year, but they actually run like pick and roll with him handling and Jared Allen rolling to the basket. And it's stupid because he can pass really yeah. well. <laughs> and like, there's just like the teams are not equipped to handle that. Um, yeah. And then nine of the 10 playoff, like teams that are on the outside of the playoffs looking in right now, don't really have a viable option at center. I considered the Hawks one of those teams because Capella has been terrible this year. Um, and then the Pacers are the only team that do, and they've got a whole myriad of issues that probably are contributing yeah. to that a little bit more. But I, I found that really interesting. Like when you look at the bottom of the league, the teams that are really sucking are the teams that really don't have like a good rim protector, interior finisher, you know, type guy. Yeah, some of them don't have anything at all, which is which is the sad part. Yeah, yeah. If you're uh, if you're a Rockets fan, that's <laughs> it's been pretty tough. At least the at least the uh, Thunder have Giddy and uh, Shea Gilgis that they can kind of hold on to, and Poku. Yeah, yeah can't um, forget him. Yeah, I can't forget Poku. Um, so, question for you: What's the last Finals team? It's the last team to win a championship that didn't it was completely devoid of any rim protection like just had a huge hole at center um i my, my first thought was maybe the mavericks but i forgot they had chandler yeah they had a defensive player of the year at center yeah um <laughs> how far back are we going as far back as you want buddy <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like it's gonna be a long time then um I don't know. Everyone, everyone since I've been alive has had a pretty good center if they yep. win. <laughs> that's that's pretty much the case. I'm, there may be one in the seventies that I'm not aware of, but yeah, that's um, that's my limits. <laughs> I I couldn't think of any. What about uh, teams without a really solid point guard, really solid like playmaker? Um, not any recently. I wouldn't. Well, I mean the the Bucks didn't have much. I guess Holiday, but. I wouldn't call him like a star. He was really solid. I mean, he's, and I would consider him a great playmaker. Um, So there's one. There's also um, 
the Michael Jordan led Bulls. You yeah. know, they had Scottie Pippen, who was a pretty good playmaker, but not like a top tier playmaker, like kind of what we're talking about. Um, you know, Paxton, Kerr, Ron Harper, BJ Armstrong, all the point guards who kind of came through, cycled through there um, throughout the years. They were fine, but I don't think they would, we would really consider them, a, you know, the top echelon of playmaking um, or even above average in the league at that time. Um, same with the Kobe title teams, any of them, Derek Fisher solid point guard, fine role player um, at, you know, that was really what he was. And they didn't really have any elite playmaking on any of those teams. Uh, yeah. The 06 heat, the worst, worst finals team we've had in the <laughs> so last 20 years. That one up. <laughs> um, Gary Payton, old Gary Payton and old Jason Williams, not really much to get excited about playmaking wise there. So we've got several examples of that. And I think, if it were if it were on me picking, I think that the point guard is the position that you can do without. If you have like a really good, really good scoring option, individual scoring options, and a good defensive team, I think you can do without the playmaking. And and now like so many players can can just do that instead of designating it to a point guard at this point. Right. At this point. Right. I know we had you know the point guard Chris Paul in the finals last year versus yeah. like a kind of point guardless Bucks team. Yeah, I don't like know. They if I really didn't even that. have a backup. Like Drew Holiday, yeah. I consider more of a shooting guard in what he does. Um, and it, it, it worked. Um, what about wing players? Can you think of any any title teams without good, good, like two way scores type players on the wings? Um, maybe like, I don't know. I don't know if the 07 Spurs would be a good. I had them. There. I mean, I had yeah. them. I know they have Ginobili, but that, yeah, I feel like he, I was, kind of he was more of a point guard off the bench for them. Yeah. Um, um, outside recently, of that, you have like been, Bruce Bowen. Yeah. Recently, I mean, it's been wings. Kobe, I would consider him a wing player, like Wade with the 06 wing player. Yeah. Um, yeah, Particu- maybe the Spurs are the most recent one, I would say. I think the Spurs are really the only example. 99, they were also kind of the same deal. Um, and then 05, 07, and even 14, I know they had Kawhi Leonard, but he was like pretty limited at that stage in his career. He was definitely not the player we know him to be yeah. now. Um, no, he just locked down LeBron. And that was, that's really where the stars came out. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And then he turned into a really good offensive player after that. So like in those finals, I, 99, I don't know. I was like, I, I don't know enough about the 99 finals matchup between the um spurs and knicks to really comment on who had the better wing like perimeter group in that series i would probably say the knicks but i'm not gonna like stake my reputation on that yeah Um, i don't know i'd only been alive for about a week at that point yeah yeah. (laughs) i've been alive a little bit longer but still i wasn't (laughs) watching basketball the degree i do now um oh five the spurs played the pistons i think you'd probably give the advantage for like wings to tayshaun prince and hamilton um, 07, I don't know if you consider LeBron a wing. I, at that at that point, I would have. It was such an overmatch in talent anyway. But regardless, advantage for the wing position there um, to Cleveland. They still lost the series. 14, obvious advantage with LeBron and Wade um, yeah. still lost. So um, I think you can, you know, you can build a team around anybody, but I just don't think you can – build a title team without having the rim protecting rebounding interior scoring aspect solidified on your roster 
however you end up doing that. I just think that that's a position kind of like the Celtics don't really have that for sure right now. And we see them kind of sputtering. I, I don't just, have a point guard either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that, that makes it really tough when you don't have, when you don't have two of the three archetypes here. Yeah. Um, I just don't think you can live without it. I, I, I don't think you've ever been able to live without it. And I know people kind of view centers like the, the dodo bird, like they're basically extinct, but I think it's a skill set, no matter where you get it, that still really matters in this league. Yeah. Are, are there any teams now that, you know, don't have like a great center, but are still doing pretty like the bulls. I don't, I don't know if I'd give them like a star center, but they're, they're still killing it. Vucevic gives them enough. I feel like um, at least with the interior scoring part, uh, I think, I, I, think they're a regular season i think they have regular season team written all over them i think this is i don't think this is sustainable in the playoffs um what happens when they play Giannis? yeah he's just gonna annihilate them they don't really have an answer for durant either Embiid, they don't have an answer for like they're they're just gonna run into a team it's fine to it's fine to beat up on you know the pistons in your division the pacers in your division you know, that that's all good and well, but I think when they get into a really tough playoff series with some of the top tier teams, I just don't think they're, I don't think what they have is going to be sustainable. Yeah. In terms of your argument for the center, I would say that a center mismatch is probably the most dominating thing for a team. If you yeah. can just get like a center, like I know every time the Sixers would play the Celtics, I'd be like, great. Embiid's going to go for 40 again. You know, yeah, shooting eighty percent. Well, Christmas Day, we saw. You know, they didn't go to eight in that much, but the Warriors had no answer for for eight. And I mean, it was just a basket every time they got yeah. in the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, standing wise, if you're looking like if we consider Giannis a center, which kind of like I kind of outlined why I did, and that kind of skewed my argument, obviously. But I think he performs more center roles than he does like any other position. Um, I mean, there's not really in the top group of teams, we're not really seeing any that don't have like a respectable center, at least, or something that they can like be somewhat excited about. I mean, the Warriors have Draymond who fills that role defensively. I think they're the one example you can point to that kind of puts a hole in my argument, but they also have the greatest shooter of all time on their team. So I think that helps. I think, and I think when you ask people, like who watch basketball, what that team needs. It's a center. Um, yeah, I, I think the Hornets are a really good example of this too, because they have a hole at center. They're currently in the seventh seed, but they're one of the worst defensive teams in the league because they have nothing around the rim to keep people away from the basket. And even LeBron, like all throughout his career, uh, he was very fortunate that the league moved in the direction that it did because he has always struggled with like good shot blockers. Like he, we always had trouble with the Pacers when he was with the heat because of Roy Hibbert. Um, and, you know, with centers kind of people moving away from them, kind of misinterpreting what the, what made the Warriors so good when they were dominating the decade. Um, yeah. That really worked to his benefit because <laughs> there's just no and one around the rim to stop him. Ironically, it might be the centers that caused that because of <clears throat> the transition to the three point shooting. I think Part of that was caused by just, you know, defenses trying to guard the center so much that they're having open shooters and it becomes a necessity. Yeah, I'm not. And 
I'm not arguing for us to go back to the slow lumbering centers who can't yeah. move around at all. Like, I think that I'm glad that has died out. I, if I never see another Kendrick po- Perkins post-up attempt, that'll be too soon. Um, yeah. I, I think we've moved away from that, but we've seen with the, especially with the kids coming up, like the Chet Holmgrens and Victor Wembanyama, like the center has finally, I don't know, entered the modern era where they're able to move a lot on the perimeter and do a little bit more than just stand under the basket. Um, But the rim protecting and and rebounding and interior scoring is really what you, what you want. Um, Yeah. I just, I I think you just can't live without it. I think we kind of moved away from it, but the warriors, when they were, you know, dominating, they only won one title with the group without Durant. And it was against an extremely injured Cavs team. Yeah. Um, so I, I think people kind of looked at them as the dominant team and like, oh, we have to build it like the Warriors, like just shoot a bunch of threes. We don't need a center. Forget the center. Um, and they kind of didn't realize that Draymond Green was like able to fulfill the defensive part of the center thing. And then they also had Kevin Durant, Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, three of the best perimeter shooters in the history of the league and probably the best perimeter scorer in Kevin Durant. Um you know, probably the best scoring forward we've ever had. I'm hard pressed yeah. to think of anybody who can, who can match him. And so they were like, Oh, well, this is the template, but really it was just that they had like an all time team. And I think the template is to still be just like football. You want to build it from the interior out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, that, that's my argument and I'm sticking to it. Yeah. I mean, invalid, valid points there for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think an argument, I think the strongest argument is probably for the point guard after that. I still think the wing position, I think if you if you got a defensive, like some defensive guys and some guys who can shoot threes, they don't even necessarily have to be the same player. It's great if they are, but I think you can cobble together whatever to make that work. Yeah. Um, but I think if you've got somebody who could intimidate people around the basket so that everything is like mid-range shots and out, I think that's, I think that goes a really long way and not getting free throws too is like, is huge. We've seen that with Harden and Trey Young this year and Dame to some extent, like they're not getting to the line as much and their scoring numbers are down. And in the case of Dame, like their team is, and the Hawks, um, they're really struggling this year. Yeah. It's for the, at least for the wings, you can build a team of, you know, three and D guys that can shoot 40% at this point and play defense um, if you get that one dominant like KD or Giannis who can also play center, at the end of the day, I think that's probably the what's the most important thing in terms of winning a championship. Yeah, I think I still think you can win if your if your generational player is at point guard. Um, yeah, or, definitely. Or shooting, I think you can win with them at any position, but I think. I just, and that's why I kind of wanted to move away from who has to be your best player to like what skill set is the most important mm. um, to like have right on your roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you have Durant, I mean, he's a once in a lifetime player that makes it a lot easier. Especially um, when you put him on the same team as Curry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, we, we should see the Nets there at the end this year. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm skeptical on the Bulls still. I think that they're they're a team that's built around the fast break. And I think when the game slows down in the playoffs, they could find themselves in trouble and they don't have a lot of flexibility with their lineups. And they, I just think when you start, even when they play the heat, like 
how are they going to have to keep Jimmy Butler from just shooting 20 free throws and getting to the basket at will? Like they, they don't have that guy. Vucevic can like hold it down inside, but like, that's not what I would want to live or die on. Yeah. I guess their, their best hopes for the heaters to hope they still have a bunch of two-way guys rotating through the lineup. In the playoffs. <laughs> right. Right. Well, with some of the way, our, some of the ways our two-way guys play, I'm not sure that they would want that either. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I'm still hard pressed to be convinced that it's not center um, just based on like, like you really can't find teams that didn't have solid interior play, at least on the defensive end that won titles. You can find teams without good wings. You can find teams without um, good point guards, but you just, you don't find them without like a solid like guy in the middle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people that would agree with you. For sure. Out of never a lot of the old tenor. heads, a lot of the yeah. new guys <laughs> probably won't, yeah. but I, I guess I did grow up in that era. But um, I think you brought up an interesting point about the, the three point shooting kind of when the Warriors took hold of the league. And that's what kind of got rid of the centers. I don't think it was, I, I, I agree to an extent, but I think it was also there just weren't any good centers. There just, there, there was nobody. I mean, we had Dwight and, and we had Boogie, Andrew Boogie, Bynum. <laughs> and bead was still coming along and like yeah. um who, who did you say boogie cousins in like 2000 yeah and boogie they weren't going anywhere because it was the kings and like they just you could shoot threes at that point he was shooting threes a little bit yeah yeah i just and like i think we didn't have examples of teams with centers doing well be, for a variety of reasons i mean we had anthony davis on the pelicans which is a complete dumpster fire also he refused to play center and then boogie cousins with the kings and that didn't really work either and i when they united on the pelicans i'm skeptical as how that would have worked out because i think we've gone i think we've definitely moved on from you needing two twin towers down there clogging up the paint i don't think we'll ever go back to that and i don't want yeah. to um so I, I think during like a dark age of centers, when it was like Dwight was like the best example we had, he had no post moves. So he wasn't a real threat around the basket. Even DeAndre Jordan, like you think about those Clippers and Warriors series. Like if you, if you tried to put Draymond Green for a seven game series, regardless of how old he is on Shaquille O'Neal in his prime or Joel Embiid now, I even think Jokic at this stage would probably cook him in a, in a seven game series, but during the Warriors reign of terror, they didn't have to worry about that. Like Deandre Jordan, isn't going to hurt you with this post game. Dwight Howard, isn't going to hurt you with this post game when he was in Houston. And then what else was there? Anthony Davis out there by himself in new Orleans, whenever, whatever odd year that they made the playoffs and like yeah. Portland with Nurkic, like he's, he's fine, but he's not really, he's not really going to kill you out there. Um, and then they just also played the math like twos are worth more than three. I right. mean, I'm sorry. Threes are worth more than two. Um, yeah. So I, I think that that contributed to this people kind of having a tarnished view of centers, but I think we're going to start to come back around. Well, you see centers doing more now, like some are, some can shoot, some can, you know, do the playmaking and move the ball around. And I think that makes them way more valuable at this. They're point. more versatile now, yeah. which is, is which is really exciting but the one thing that the really good ones have and this is why the timberwolves never go anywhere 
is they're really good at protecting the ones who are really good are good at protecting the basket or they have somebody alongside of them who could like Jokic had Jeremy Grant for a little bit, yeah. but now he's able to do that on his own. Um, you know, Joel and B could protect the basket really well. Carl Anthony Towns can't. And that's why the playoff, the Timberwolves are in the lottery every year. Uh, this year, it looks to be a little bit different, but I still don't expect them to really do much of anything. Um, until he figures out how to play some defense, I I just don't see it working. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, well, that's my argument. I'm sticking to it. Um, anything else to add? <laughs> no, that, that's good. Okay. All right. Well, join us next week. I'm not sure what we'll be talking about. Hopefully, Clay Thompson coming back, but uh, we'll see how that goes. I saw today that he he hit 24 straight threes in a, in a shoot around. So yeah, I, I don't know that the league is ready for what the Warriors are about to unleash on us, but especially no. if they get Wiseman back and he's as good as some people think he could be. I know you're higher on him than I am, but yeah. Um, I mean, he's just seven foot seven, one, seven, two, and just completely raw talent. I and mean, that's yeah, super athletic. I, I think he could be a slow bloomer kind of like Aiden was. Um, but I think if they bring him along, like they have Kuminga, where it's just like they give him a little bit to do at a time and just not complicate it too much. Just like, hey, we need you to do these two or three things. And then just once he gets those two or three things down, then give him a little bit more. Last year, they just thrust him into the starting lineup. And that was not not the answer from a for a guy who basically didn't play college and took yeah. a year off of basketball to go from high school, take a year off and then straight to the league as your starting center on a play a team with playoff aspirations that's a that's a tough ask yeah the beauty now is their team is so good that he can kind of ease into it and oh, all yeah. aspects yeah. and is turning out to be a good defender so he doesn't have to be you know that prime rim protector the entire time yeah and I, can guard anyone was looney hurt to start last year i feel like he may have been i don't remember i don't that, that might have been the reason they threw him in there yeah, they may have had to have had a necessity, but Looney's solid, so they don't have to like, you know, he's good for 20 minutes a game, so yeah. you can start with him and then move Draymond to the five, and then just you don't necessarily need Wiseman to give you much, but if he can, great. All right, join us next week, and uh, I don't know, we'll find something interesting to talk about. <laughs>